Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Jared W., Paul M., and Mike P. Returning to the program today is Nico Kakaus. Nico is the president and CEO of Blue Sky Uranium, an Argentina-focused uranium explorer and early stage developer with a handful of various stage projects in southern Argentina. Blue Sky is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol BSK and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol BKUCF. Nico, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Andrew. Great. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure being here. Absolutely. Good to have you back. It's been a while since you've been on the show, but uh, how about we just kick it off here for some of our new audience and maybe just give us a one to two minute overview of and also an update on Blue Sky for our audience. Oh, that'd be sure. That, that's that'd be my pleasure. Blue Sky is, uh, as you stated at the outset, is focused on um, exploring for uranium, uh, and uh, we have a significant discovery uh, in southern Argentina where we've discovered not just a new deposit, but an entire new district, a huge district running up to 145 kilometers in length, and uh, this district geologically has a lot of similarities with the districts we see in Kazakhstan. And that's significant because those districts, those deposits in Kazakhstan are some of the lowest cost uh, uranium producers in the world and actually supply up to about just around half of the world's uh, uranium needs. So this is a very exciting new discovery. We've got our deposit along the district and uh, we're just coming off right now. Uh, we just wrapped up, we're just wrapping up drilling uh, our deposit to upgrade the quality of the resource. We have stepped out some drilling uh, and uh, proven that there's uh, additional uranium and vanadium outside of the current deposit. So it looks like it's going to grow. And uh, we're just about to move our drill rig in about a week, uh, about 10 kilometers north of this deposit where we feel there's uh, excellent potential to make another discovery. So to continue to add uh, uranium pounds to our overall project here. So you've got Ivana deposit. Uh, this is the bigger Amarillo Grande project. You know, talk just a little bit more about where we are as far as the stage here. Um, I understand, you know, we've got the PEA that was initial back uh, 2019. I'm assuming that the plan is, is to get to some type of a PFS document. Yep. No, that is correct. I mean, we, this is, this big district here we've been working on for nearly 15 years now. And it's it because of the, the sheer size of it. So we've been able to map and locate, you know, lots of mineralization throughout this entire district. And it wasn't really until 2017 when we started to intensify around the Ivana area, where we initiated a drill program, quickly made a discovery, published a, an initial resource, and then within a year after that, we published our first preliminary economic assessment or PEA back in 2019. That showed just under 23 million pounds of uranium and 11 and a half million pounds of vanadium. And like I said earlier, what we're what we're just finished doing right now, uh, we did a lot of infill drilling in this area. 
to upgrade the quality of the resource that we have and our confidence in the resource. And uh, and with the step out drilling, it looks like it's growing. So and then there's additional targets throughout the area that we're planning to drill over the next uh, three or four months. And by summertime, the goal is to move this entire project into pre-feasibility study stage. That's um, that's a, a very detailed economic and uh, mining engineering study that will take about 10 months to a year to complete. So hopefully by this time next year, we'll be uh, here uh, and uh, have that done and be in a position where we can make a production decision based on you know the uh, the conclusions of this uh, pre-feasibility study. Yeah, looking forward to seeing this advance and looking forward to some of these results coming out. And Nico, let's go back to the, the macro setup for a moment. What do you think about this current market, the impacts arising out of the Ukraine-Russia war, and where is the focus for you on this market at this point? Well, there's a lot going on out there right now, as you as you've stated. Um, but you know, the the most important thing is the fundamental organic demand for uranium right now. This was happening even before the war. Um, what we're seeing is as the as the world is uh, is moving towards uh, developing, you know, carbon-free ways of generating electricity, uranium. Of course, is a is a green way of generating you know electricity. There's no carbon produced, and what we're seeing is, especially amongst the younger folk, is a, a wide acceptance of nuclear as an alternative power source. And with that, uh, it's allowing projects to go forward. We're seeing more and more uh, nuclear reactors being built around the world, and all that is having a a, a very uh, you know, a, a very strong impact on the demand. And, and, and we're seeing that uh, in terms of the price. The price, you know, in 2019, when we did our PEA, the price of uranium was at $20 a pound. Now we're almost $60 a pound. So it's almost tripled uh, in, in, in price. But there's uh, the projections from those who work in that business is that uh, the price of uranium has a, a long way to go and is uh, going to be sustained for many, many years. And so, you know, last time we in the uranium bull, we saw uranium price go over $100, $120 a pound. And now with the war and the disruptions of nuclear fuel, and, uh, you know, you look at places like Kazakhstan, which produce half of the world's uranium, you know, there's a lot of uh, countries that need uranium that are saying, well, geopolitical risk in that area means that we need to diversify. So it's uh it's having an impact on the price of uranium and uh situations like blue sky where we're discovering new potential in new you know uranium districts in relatively safe havens kind of in, in argentina is uh you know is, is having a lot of we're getting a lot of inquiries from a lot of large companies and there's a lot of interest in uh, in what we're doing including the the government of argentina because uh most you know most of your investors that are listening here probably don't realize that Argentina is a nuclear country. It's a country that has a very well developed nuclear industry involved in every facet of the nuclear cycle. You know they've been in the nuclear business almost as long as the U.S. has. The only thing they don't have is uh, domestic is um, production of uranium and they import all their needs and uh we're looking towards making them our first customer uh as uh, we move this towards uh production soon 
With respect to the Argentine fuel cycle, what can you say there in terms of, we know there's not a domestic mining industry per se with respect to uranium mining in the country, but where is Argentina for our audience on what they are able to do with the fuel cycle in country? Well, they've got three nuclear power plants in operation. They've got two additional in the planning stage, two under proposal and another one under construction. So they are moving towards, uh, you know, becoming nuclear sufficient. But beyond that, they've got research reactors. They have even, uh, they even have a uranium uh, enrichment plant actually in the same province where, where our deposit is currently located. And what it, what it means for us is when you're becoming the first uh, uranium mine to go into production uh, at some point, you need to make sure you've got the legal infrastructure there, that the laws for how you handle and move around radioactive materials, um, that can take a long, long time for a government to implement. And, you know, there could be a lot of a lot of argument about that. But in Argentina, that's already been implemented. That's because the country is already involved in that. And and their, their whole nuclear um, industry in that country is actually quite sophisticated. In fact, the president of the International Atomic Energy Agency is uh, is an Argentinian, which is a, a tip of the hat to the level of sophistication. So it makes uh, us, a company like Blue Sky, uh, it creates an environment where, you know, uranium is not a taboo mineral. It's just like, it's just like uh, putting, you know, a gold mine or a copper mine into production. It makes it a lot easier for us. It's a lot smoother. And then plus, our 30-year experience in, in Argentina through the Grosso Group, the, our management team. Uh, you know, we have a lot of contacts throughout the government, and uh, I think that just facilitates uh, uh, an excellent working environment there for us. Coming out of this Ukraine-Russia war and also the issues that, that happened that kind of have been forgotten a little bit is the Kazakhstan uh, issues that happened earlier in the year. But when you look at the things and the refocus that is happening with respect to refocus back towards the Western jurisdictions, which you could probably throw Argentina into that group, Australia, mm -hmm. US, Canada, Namibia, Niger come to mind, where Argentina is probably the most overlooked of that group, just because, like you said, I mean, there's not even much competition for you guys in Argentina that I'm aware of. You know, there's a few, if memory serves correctly, you guys are the only major active, you know, uranium focus group in the country from a junior perspective. Yep. So it's actually not a bad spot, generally overlooked. And, you know, with respect to places like Canada, Canada's not, with the exception of the incumbents, Canada's not a place that's immediately new production capable in terms of we're not going to see a new junior or development company come out with production anytime in the next five years, most likely. No. And no. so as a result of that, you just have the incumbents in Canada. So Canada's almost a non-threat with the exception of the incumbents on a production level discussion, not necessarily the uh, exploration success that you can have in Canada. That's a separate discussion, but you have to come back and you have to say, okay, well, what Western jurisdictions are actually going to provide material? The U.S. certainly is in a unique position. There's a couple things in Australia that are in a unique position. Mm -hmm. Places like Argentina, you know, besides going back over to Africa, which we know there's two jurisdictions there that will be okay. Yeah. What do you think the government appetite is at this point with your guys' engagement with permitting this project and how comfortable are you guys with the government at this point and getting something moved forward here in the next couple of years? 
we're very comfortable with the government. They know exactly what we're doing. Uh, we talk to them on a constant basis. Just recently, you know, the discussions that we had with them, that they feel very comfortable. They said basically putting a uranium mine in production, and especially in the in nuclear-friendly province of Rio Negro, where we're located, is like I said earlier, it's no different than putting into production a copper mine or a, or a gold mine. It's part of the mining industry, and there are protocols there for handling, you know, the, the uranium as it gets dug out of the ground. Um, it doesn't pose a threat to anybody, and uh, it'll be for direct. Initially, it'll be for consumption in Argentina. It's, you know, I've always said that if I've ever, you know, wanted to choose a country where I could make a uranium discovery, it would be Argentina, simply because the setup is already there, the the, the support for the mining industry, the support for the uranium, uh, and, and the nuclear industry is is there, and uh, it's a it's a friendly country, it's a sophisticated country, um, and uh, the kind of discovery that we've made, um, you know, I, I alluded in the beginning similarities with Kazakhstan. And, and what the, what really that means is is the low cost nature of production. Um, when we did our PEA, we found that we could produce a, a pound of uranium at just over sixteen dollars a pound. So even when the price of uranium was uh, twenty dollars, potentially our deposit could have been, um, you know, if it was in production, could be uh, economic. Now you look at places like in Canada and Athabasca, where you, you know there, there's a lot of uranium there. But the break-even price is, you know, $50, $60 a pound. So uh, there's a lot of money to be made here, you know, as this thing moves forward. Um, I think the low-cost nature is really intriguing and the size potential. You know, the other similarity with Kazakhstani deposits is just their size. Their deposits there run 150, 200, 250 million pounds. So we just are getting started. So I think the next few months here of our our exploration campaign is going to begin to prove out some of the size uh, parameters here, and I think that's the really uptick, the, the the upside for for Blue Sky is as we make additional discoveries um, going forward in our exploration program. I think the company's a value inflection point as that comes out. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, a big revaluation in the market for our company. I'd like you to go over the PEA, but. Right now you have, I want you to speak to the potential upside here with this particular project, Amarillo Grande being a lot of expansion that could potentially happen here. Production for the life of mine of about 17.5 million pounds. Speak to where you guys think you can get this this year um, and then also just highlight present PEA and what you expect to potentially change in the PFS. Mm -hmm. The PEA at that time, we really wanted to get a handle, you know, what this geological similarity with uh, other deposits around the world would, was going to look like. Basically, we wanted to see, you know, when price of uranium was at $20, um, what kind of price would we need in order to, to, to break even? And, uh, you know, it was nice to see that price come in just over $16 a pound. And uh, that was a very early stage. There was just under 23 million pounds. I think the potential here is, you know, can we find two, three, four of these Ivana deposits throughout here and uh, take this closer to 100 million pounds? And I think, uh, and, and then if the PFS that we would do continues to reflect these numbers on our PEA, I think the potential uh, profitability here would be quite exciting. And I think as we make these discoveries along, I think that's where we're going to see the real value for our current shareholders. 
Well, looking forward to seeing what comes out of these exploration programs here. And uh, give us an update where we are on capital structure here, Nico, including the shares outstanding, the cash on hand at this point, any debt, and also just major shareholders. Yeah, well, we, there's no debt. Um, major shareholders are, are basically our management insiders, friends and family. We collectively own about half the company um, simply because, you know, trying to finance this uh, uh, 10 years ago when uranium was out of fashion, we, you know, we had to put in our own money to maintain it and to move the project forward uh, as we understood the potential great value that was to unfold with Blue Sky. So right now we're sitting at about 185 million shares, about a million and a half dollars in the bank. I think you, you'll see in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably be looking to do a small financing between two and three million, which will see us complete all our exploration plans for the next few months. And then as we enter the PFS stage, that's a, you know, that's an expensive study that'll run between 10 and $15 million. And I'd like to finance it at that time closer to, you know, after we've been able to put out our exploration results, hopefully, uh, you know, we have some good results and uh, the market reflects uh, uh, these good results and it'll be at less dilutive uh, numbers. So maybe a small financing in the near term and yep. then all, on the back of news, finance again to maybe uh, cash up for that PFS. That is correct. Uh, how about uh, any venturing outside of Argentina, uranium at this point, or are you staying put? Well, we're we're really focused here on Argentina. I feel like, you know, we're pretty well the only player there. Um, we have a real competitive advantage there. Uh, we're really knowledgeable of uh, the country and the country knows who we are. Uh, it, to, to venture out of Argentina at this stage, I think uh, it would have to be a project so amazing uh, to warrant that because it would take away our focus from what we're doing here. I think there's a lot to be done here. I think this is a project that can be a, a real big company maker. And uh, I think we're gonna put all our energy and our focus on this and see it through. Um, in the next uh, six months to a year, I think we're gonna you know, hopefully have a discussion and we'll be a, a much larger company with a much larger market cap than what we've got right now and at a much more advanced stage. Okay, so we move on here. We have expansion, more pounds to the inventory, more attributable into the PFS. Let's say a PFS gets done sometime by Q2 next mm -hmm. year. Talk about the strategy from there. Talk about uh, what would be the next steps, assuming you guys wanted to continue to move forward with those next steps. Talk about what company extra strategy might be over the next uh, two to four years. Well, no, that's that's a good question. You know, after we complete the PFS, you know, that's the time when you make a decision on a production. Um, we're, I, I recognize that our team are explorers. Uh, we're not producers, despite the fact that I think that it, the very simple nature of putting uh, a project like this into production is be not much different than a quarry, than a, a gravel quarry, but uh, there are different elements involved in production. Um, we'd be looking to uh, either partner up with a large uh, uranium producer, an experienced producer, uh, whereby we can either do it together, we can join, you know, do a, a retain an ownership in some of it, or sell it all out. It would be a, it would be a decision uh, depending on uh, what is best for our shareholders at that time. If, if the premium is big enough, and uh, we may decide to sell the whole thing. Uh, we or we sell part of the project. So 
it's moving this towards production and i think mitigating that production risk by having an, an experienced producer is the the wise way to go and see how we can retain uh as much uh, or most of the value for for our shareholders on this before i just want to touch on the uh, the province to the south in a moment and the exploration properties but in your guys's case for this project with the permitting potentially start just after the pfs what's your thoughts on when you guys would start that permitting pathway yeah, it would start just after that. You know, we're already starting for the PFS. We're already beginning baseline uh, environmental and water studies and uh, uh, all kind of mineralogical studies. That these are time-consuming processes. So we've we've already started those processes. But in terms of permitting, I think we would wait for the outcome of the PFS to to be completed and then begin permitting at that time. And what do you think the time frame would be, Nico? Is is once you started that process? Once we complete, I think within a couple of years after that, two to three years, we could be in production. I think it would be very, you know, if not sooner, it would be very, very quick. Do you see the permitting time frame? Let's say the permitting started sometime uh, Q3 next year. What do you think the permitting time frame is? 18 think, to 24 months? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. We'll speak to the, the expiration grounds to the south, province to the south there. What's your comments on maybe some of that? Maybe, yeah, maybe not core focus, but non-core. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not focused on them at all actually right now. They're they're good projects. We're hanging on to them. Uh, the province to the south uh, is just reopening their mining industry uh, and allowing the, for a while there was no mining permitted in that province. You know, you know the jurisdiction mining jurisdiction in Argentina is not much different than in in Canada where the provinces have sole jurisdiction, uh, uh, whether, you know, to permit, how to permit mining and whether to allow it or not. So it, it was an unfriendly province. Uh, so we have not been doing any work whatsoever there. We've been focusing on our core project, uh, Amarillo Grande. There's a lot to do there. It's a huge project. So um, after, it, it, you know, Ivana or whatever goes into production and uh, the environment, uh, changes to the south, then we could look at those projects too and see what uh, how we can move them forward. Very well, and just speak to the uh, community relations, uh, Nico. I know that's a focus here and obviously it's gonna be important for this project, but maybe just speak to the group's uh, community relations work. Oh, absolutely. C community, we've been very, very strong proponents of uh, having a strong community relation and interaction program right from the get-go, even before we, we walked onto the property. Uh, we made sure that everybody understood who we were, what we're there to do, and be transparent. And uh, so we constantly engage with the community, the local community there. We are a significant employer for the local community there. Uh, we try to address whatever issues they have and be a, be a part of that community as best we can. And not just the local towns and the and and, and the landowners, but also you know the local governments uh, the, at the municipal level, at the provincial level, all the way through. Um, in, in, in the industry there, you know, we try to make sure that if we need to buy gas or whatever, we don't just use one gas station, we use all the gas stations and so that no one uh, disproportionately benefits. So uh, we have a great track record, uh, I think through Grosser Group lends us that track record for nearly 30 years there. We've never had a problem with any community uh, and uh, we continue to go on that. So I'm, I'm very proud of the team that we've got uh, down on the ground there. 
Well, pretty straightforward story, Nico, and uh, looking forward to seeing what advances throughout this year. And of course, uh, we have quite a few exciting events in the uranium market that are unfolding here as we talk, and probably will continue. The fireworks will, will most likely continue for the rest <laughs> of the year. Pleasure to come back and talk about that. Well, how about uh, for potential investors here, uh, given what they've heard here, folks on the sidelines listening in, market cap of the company stands at about 54 million Canadian. What would you say to them about considering the company at this stage and at current levels? Well, it's a great time right now to consider it simply because of the activity that we've got ongoing with our step out exploration drilling that we're doing right now. I think uh, the value as we discover more pounds of uranium, uh, those pounds are going to get valued into the company. And I think that's uh, that's going to be the, our biggest value driver over the next few months. And I think that's going to be the most ex one of the most exciting times in, in our company here. And Nico, the best way for investors to reach out to the company? Well, you can reach out to us either through our, our website, blueskyuranium.com. Feel free to give us a call toll-free, 1-800-901-0058. Speak to our investor relations rep, uh, Sean Perger. And, uh, he, you know, we can address uh, any questions you might have and give you a presentation or uh, whatever you, you might uh, need. Nico, appreciate it. Always good to chat. Best of luck. And I look forward to uh, talking again soon. My pleasure. Thank you.